Retro Hangover, supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We'd especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCards, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Stustle Smash the Milkman, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, The Backlog, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Disky Mera, Jenny E, Rick Firestone, Parallax Puddles, Soha, Keith Gasper, Dave Jackson, Eric Guess, Kayla Jackson, Nomad from the Retro Wildlands Podcast, Ash Event, Alan Bingham, Storm Beagle, and Ryan Player One. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Hey everyone, Chris here, and what you're about to listen to is an RH Gaiden, part of the content that is exclusive to our patrons over at Patreon. So if you want to hear more content like this, and you're just interested in supporting us in general, just head over to our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash retrohangover, or you can find it at linktree slash retrohangover, that's linktr.ee slash retrohangover, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. something new this is retro hangover gaiden i have no idea if that's gonna work by the way just something i thought yeah whatever (laughs) (laughs) all right hello listeners uh who are usually here to listen to the retro hangover podcast but today we're doing something a little bit different this is retro hangover gaiden and i am joined today with our Nintendo host, who usually talks about Nintendo stuff, but today we we kind of are not talking about Nintendo stuff. Actually, we're not at all. Uh, we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake, but he, again, joining us is Tiger. What's hey, going Tiger. on? And um, yo, so this will probably be on the Switch one day, so it counts. <laughs> I, I hope it can be on the Switch. It might be a little too graphically intense. You might get a really big graphical downgrade if it is on the Switch. Well, just one quick note. Uh, I got my issue of Nintendo Force Magazine, which was the replacement for Nintendo Power. And Mm -hmm. they actually have Final Fantasy VII Remake in their magazine as a review. And they specifically said, because we expect it to be on the Switch. (laughs) So I thought that was kind of funny. Well, let's hope they're prophetic, because if not, they they need to go away and hang their heads in shame. (laughs) They tried to force it, obviously. Yes, they're trying to force their will upon recording. Why do I keep saying recording? I'm just, I am not thinking straight today. This is not going to be fun. But in any case, so what are we doing different here today? What is Retro Hangover Gaiden? Uh, is this going to be a constant series? I have no idea. But it's just, it's not the regular episode type that we do when we go over the brief history of a game. Mostly because the games that I anticipate us doing in a format like this will not be retro. So obviously, Final Fantasy VII Remake is not a retro game, but I think it's an appropriate thing to do just because it is a remake of a retro game, especially one that we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast. So if you're hearing this, you could have heard it earlier if you were uh, on our Patreon. Man, that sounded like that sounded like a dick. Yeah, you could have heard it earlier. But um, this th- these episodes will be exclusive to our Patreons for one month, or patrons, 
for one month, and then they'll be available to everybody. But if you want to hear this when everyone else does, in the case we have future episodes, you know, head on over to our Patreon and give it a check, and you might be able to jump on and listen to these things when they are fresh, so fresh and clean. I, I, I that sounds terrible. They're called Ty- patrons on Patreons. Yes, they're called patrons. Oh, okay. Well, that's not confusing. No. I mean, they could be Patreons or <laughs> Patrons, Patrons. It's something. Yeah. So in any case, uh, once again, for the hundredth time, this is going to be over a postmortem on Final Fantasy VII Remake, which myself and Tiger have both completed. And I saw that you platinum this game as well. Oh, yeah. And uh, I did not have a great time doing it because it was my first platinum trophy ever. And I am not used to uh, chasing these uh, little achievements that that tell you when you have 100 percented the game in in in, in, in I guess the company's eyes. <laughs> so we'll we'll definitely uh, approach that later because I think I know what you're talking about. I never paid attention yeah. to that stuff either. <laughs> For some reason, I didn't even know about it until uh, I watched a uh, YouTube video saying, oh, these things are in here. I'm like, oh, well, I platinum the game and I didn't even know it's this just, shit. I know that I, I love the game so much and I saw the achievements come up so much that I was like, well, I guess I should probably finish these achievements because it's probably going to lead me to find more things that I did not see. So, yes, that's the real reason I did it. Because this game is uh, very relevant and very topical, and it's been released recently, just going to say there will be spoilers in this postmortem slash review of Final Fantasy VII Remake. So you've been warned now, so I don't want to hear anyone cry when they found out that Aerith dies later <laughs> after after this game. But uh, yes, yes, you will find you. There's a lot of things that we will be discussing here on this episode. That uh, if you want to be surprised by it in the game, then you probably should wait until you beat the game to hear it here. Let's kick this off and start with our initial impressions. So, Tiger, you have you have talked to me about this this game prior to release, back when we did our Final Fantasy VII episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the main uh, podcast, where you said you got the demo and you you were just floored. Amazing! It was amazing. So, what were your initial impressions going from the demo over to the actual game? All right, so just. Quickly, demo, amazing. I loved the gameplay. I loved the battle system. And like that's pretty much what it threw you into. So mm-hmm. going from the demo to the actual game, um, 
it again it started you in the train station so you just got right into the action and you went through the battle system and again I, that was that was the part that i loved about it so when it finally got uh past the mako reactor and then you went into uh the first sector um you know it i kind i kind of started seeing how they were like drawing out all of the dialogue, the story, and they were building it all up. And I really enjoyed hearing the voices uh, of all of these characters. And I, I, ultimately, I felt that the voice acting was very good, except for one, and that was Aerith. But this is, again, my initial impression. Um, mm-hmm. I did not like Aerith's voice because it sounded very like naive and... It didn't feel like it fit what I was expecting. But anyway, also, further going further along, side story, uh, not side story, side quests, I absolutely hated them. Hated the side quests. Oh, yeah. Because I, I felt like um, this is the part of the game that I felt like they were forcing me to do things that were not, you know, part of the real Final Fantasy VII story as I envisioned it. Um, because when I played the original Final Fantasy VII, I felt like the things that were in the game, the quests that were in the game, were all significant or important to the story somehow. Uh-huh. Um, uh, rather than finding three cats for a little girl uh, to help build my reputation for the town. Like, nah. <laughs> I didn't and, need and to do all that. And fuck those cats, by the way. So he's <laughs> he's he's talking about he's talking about this this quest in Sector Eight. This one of the first side quests you get, where this this little girl loses her three cats. So you have to look for these cats, and as soon as you find them, do you, do you get to collect them and put you put them in your item bag like you normally would? Well, no, because that wouldn't make sense because it's very realistic. You're not going to suffocate a cat trying to save it like an <laughs> MMO, like put it in your pouch. But no, the cats fucking run away from you. And, like, there's one cat you can't get unless you talk to someone saying there's a cat in the cat area. And that runs away from you. Oh, that was annoying. Yeah, yeah. So, so all the cats run away from <laughs> you, and you're like, what What the fuck is this? Or at least I was thinking, what the fuck is this? And then you go yeah. and talk to the little girl to tell her that, hey, your cats ran away. They probably got eaten by uh, Biggs's cats. Or Wedge's cats. Which one was it? Who's, who's, who's <laughs> yeah, the big wedges. guy? Wedge's. Like, Wedge's cats probably, you know, ate them uh, because they're fat cats. And all the cats just wander back over to her. And they're like, oh, thank you for finding them. They, they think you're mean and they're, they think, think you're going to eat them or something like that. It's like, this is so dumb. This yeah. is so dumb. It was unnecessary, in my opinion. But I ultimately believe that they forced you to do this side quest and, you know, other side quests in order to force you to uh, explore the area, the new area that you have never seen before. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, look at all this creation that we made just for you mm-hmm. uh, so <laughs> i guess in that i guess it was it's good sure but you know um so uh, to round up uh i did not like the side quests uh in the game uh but but still gameplay wise battle system amazing uh story wise uh I I got a lot out of it. I got a, I got more out of this game than I expected. Um and I appreciate that. 
that's that's pretty much my initial impression and without going too deep into it. Okay. I'll say something that you touched on, which is this, this is the, probably the biggest point on the initial impressions for me, is how advanced graphically it became. How it took a concept from, you know, 1997 in Final Fantasy VII, the original one on the PlayStation, took those really washed out, faded out, pre-rendered backgrounds and brought them to life. Because even even though there was more detail back in the PlayStation, you still had to apply a lot of imagination when it came to what things looked like, in my opinion. You know, like, oh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is like what the environments looked like, what the characters looked like, how they would translate into a more realistic environment. And of course, like the, the Shinra reactor uh, didn't really blow my mind in any way. Uh, but as soon as you get outside the Shinra reactor, I don't know what sector it is. And it's like right outside what, what, when it, you're going through and the sector blows up and you're on your way over to sector eight. Yeah, I don't remember the sector numbers very well either. <laughs> but right. yeah, yeah, they put you out there right in the town. And then like, yeah, I, I mm-hmm. forget. Like that's that's the first time you get to see like under the plate. And yeah. Yeah. Or just it's, kind of what Midgard looks like. And and that and still at that point I was like okay this is kind of my expectations, but what really exceeded my expectations is when I got to Sector Eight because the entire time in Final Fantasy VII there was this theme of disparity like uh, uh, the haves and the have-nots like these people are really down and out they're really impoverished they're they're struggling to survive and you you see that a little bit in Final Fantasy VII but that's more conveyed through the plot than than what really a pre-rendered background can can bring to you because what you see through most of Midgard before that is it's, it's kind of this just it's a grungy city but it's it's well developed like it's a very urban area but sector eight are slums and that's something that had a lot of impact on me the first time I saw it as opposed to back in 97 and I was like wow this is this is going to be a really interesting experience yeah and you say that now like the, the there's Tons of people around. You see what they look like. You see the the mood that they're in. And like I, I didn't mention this, the the NPCs. Like I expected, you know, you go up to people and t- like press a button. But now you just you walk next to them and they 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 say you overhear what they're saying. At, at first, it was a little overwhelming because sometimes you run up to a group and like all three of all three or four of them would just say something <laughs> all at the same time. Uh, but like I thought that was a really cool way to. Like talk to NP. Well, not really. You're not really talking to them, but you know that kind of made me think. You're not really talking to the NPCs when you click on them anyway. Uh, they're just saying whatever they're you know saying. It's nice to just walk near NPCs and just kind of like get a feel for you know like how they should be feeling in that moment or what they're saying to their kid. It kind of it speeds up the game, in which if you want to talk to them. You can, you know, go by them and, you know, listen to everything they have to say. Or you can just, you know, go by them and still hear what they have to say. So that was nice. It kind of uh, made it. You didn't have to click on every single person because sometimes that can get annoying. I, I appreciated that. Yeah. Another thing I like, too, is when you talk about NPCs is the fact that, you know, Shinra soldiers in, in the PlayStation version were kind of this monolith very blank faced, just soldiers of an evil, evil corporation. One of the things, again, that struck out to me is they really humanized the soldiers or just humanized everything. You know, the only people that really weren't human that were more cartoon villains were, were the Shinra executives like, you know, Rufus and Heidegger and Scarlet and, um, you know, the, the, the high level people, of course, except for, uh, what's his fucking name? Kite, Kite Sith. 
Kaichi, whatever, how you fucking say it. Yeah, Reeve. Reeve. Except for Reeve. Yeah, of course, he's the only one who has a conscious, but of course, we all know why, because he is Kaichi. That's what I found really interesting as well is, and they, they allude to this later in the game when you're going into, you know, the Shinra Tower, where if you take the elevator, you know, Tifa says something, if, you know, that the, the people they're fighting, a lot of them are just normal people. Yeah, yeah. And and they, it's it's one of those things that kind of makes you think, you know, where Barrett has a mentality that everyone is evil regardless. Tifa is, is more of the, you know, tries to see everything at, at every perspective. And, and Barrett doesn't necessarily have that. But I did yeah. like that that plot approach that you saw there, saw in Final Fantasy VII that I don't, in the remake that you really didn't see in the original. Yeah, and like it reminded me of the, the part in on the train where the guy says, but you're the enemy. And then Tifa is like, but I don't want anyone to die. Uh, right. So, yeah, yeah. It, you really didn't get that feel. You just assumed that, you know, everyone's the enemy, I guess. Well, that's the way I saw it when I was playing the original version. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. You're right. You're right in that sense. Yeah, and I think it really delivered on on the gray morality of everything that everyone was doing a lot better than Final Fantasy VII did uh, on on the PlayStation. And I, I really appreciated that. Until of course you got cartoon character bad guys, but you do need that. Of course, the president, <laughs> the president of Shinra, he is a major dick, and it's great. He is your typical just give only give a shit about profits. And because you're generating profits, it's, it's best for everybody. And that was his mentality. And he would just kill people in order to increase his profit margins. Yeah, you're not supposed to like them, and you don't. So, And you don't. <laughs> let's, let's talk more about the gameplay. So I did like the gameplay. I do think that playing as, as Aerith or Barrett kind of sucked. And I thought Tifa, <laughs> Tifa was fantastic. And Cloud was kind of the in-between. Cloud was just, you know, mash square forever, maybe switch over. Ooh, I know why. I know why. Why? <laughs> why? They're all about the action, baby. Barrett, yeah. Barrett and Aerith, they're like, you know, stay the F away. And uh, <laughs> Cloud and Tifa <laughs> all up in it. So, yeah, that makes sense. I, I appreciate it because, you know, they're not the close up and, uh, you know, go, go completely at them. But, like, they also, the game also forced you to figure out how to utilize them best. And there are certain situations in which you would like to use Aerith and Barrett versus going in with uh, close encounters with Cloud or Tifa. I, and I can tell you, by the time I got midway through the game, if whenever I had the option between Cloud or Tifa, it was always Tifa. <laughs> it does feel good to play with Tifa, though. Especially like yes. you, uh, you use your unbridled strength twice and then you just mash out them triangles. Like That's the way I played it and I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And she was so ultra powerful. And so, yeah. And another thing with Cloud, too, is, is just the way you play with him. You know, switch, uh, switching between like uh, his his more offensive and defensive operator stances. Mode. Operator yeah. mode. Is sometimes it, ha- it has one of those cardinal sins in a lot of those early 2000 action games where you'll be in the process of doing an animation and you'll be wanting to block, but you can't block because he's in the middle of an animation. Yeah. So, yeah. And you can get knocked back. It can it can really screw some things up, especially when you're trying to cast spells, um, which I did have a problem with. Like casting spells in a lot of cases, unless they're away from you and you directed other characters to do, are mostly pointless. Because enemies for certain spells, they can just, especially the stronger ones, can always disrupt it. Especially if the main character is controlling it. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I completely died right in the middle of casting Cure or Raise. Like, 
All I needed was that extra millisecond, please, and they would have been cool. <laughs> but right. no, it didn't reach me, you know, and then I died. And it, it, so many times I like I was totally frustrated at it, but I can't be mad, you know. <laughs> well, the, the one thing that's irritating is it seems like no matter who your character is, it's just automatic aggro on whoever you're controlling. Uh, well, you mean like as far as uh, when you're not controlling a character, they just automatically go to the enemy? Well, you're no. When, well, first of all, the AI is is it varies between absolutely incompetent and barely functional. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty annoying. Um, like Aerith, you would make a little ward for her, and she'd automatically she'd just go run off the ward. Like, what are you <laughs> doing? I was at a I was at an enemy where you had to hide behind a wall. You know, I was like, yeah. all right, you stand behind the wall. All right, now Barrett, I'm gonna put you behind the Aerith. Where are you going? Why are you leaving the wall? <laughs> Oh, oh, so frustrating. Yeah. And like you're talking about that that the one of the last bosses. I know which one you're talking yes, about. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I do. Uh the uh, uh I don't know what it wasn't the bus uh the tank buster. It was like yeah, I can't remember which boss it was. Big machine. Yeah, you got Yeah, the big machine boss. Whatever. Yeah. Ugh. Chapter 16, <laughs> the end of chapter 16 or 17. One you of the You got two. it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Um which is a shame because when you're fighting the scorpion in the beginning of the game, Barrett actually does what he's supposed to fucking do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like they like, all right, we remember that the AI is supposed to be doing this. <laughs> but uh, yeah. at the end, you're on your own. So, Ugh. yeah. But but the, one of the things I noticed and this is particularly uh, uh, we have an outline. I'm jumping ahead of the outline, which is probably just going to happen. I don't care. But um, <laughs> especially like when you're fighting some of the later uh, challenges in the simulator, um, you know, to get the summons. Oh, no, particularly like against Leviathan. And it just shows you how how broken this game is in terms of aggro and how the enemies just want to aggro whoever the player character is controlling is yes. if you, if you swap between Barrett and Aerith while you're fighting Leviathan Leviathan will keep turning to whoever you're controlling as the player and right before they attack if you swap Leviathan won't attack and it'll, the Leviathan will change their uh, direction and, and try to attack whoever you're controlling at that point <laughs> yeah yeah so you can go the entire Leviathan fight up until it starts flying around in the air by just cheesing the hell out of it by maintaining your distance and never get hurt. Huh. Oh, wait. Now I see what you're saying. So you can just switch at the right moment so that you could that you don't get hit. Yes. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> and this is that was one of my um, I was I was going through when I was trying to platinum it. I had a friend in Djibouti. Uh, he's playing. He was playing the game too. He's deployed, and yeah. we were having discussions about strategies and how to beat Bahamut and the Pride and Joy run because that was a massive pain uh, in the ass. Yeah, that was probably one of the hardest ones. Yes, definitely. And so he would. He said the best strategy is just to cycle through who you're controlling because the computer will automatically lock on to whoever you're controlling as, and then as soon as they start an attack, you swap to another character and and, and just spam their attack and gives you need to do because yeah, th it'll unfocus from you. That was pretty much my strategy as well because after I realized that, and it, it's specific, more specific to Bahamut, definitely when you change your character, he will stick like ultra hard to that character, mm -hmm. to attacking that character. So that, yeah, that was a definite strategy in uh, defeating Bahamut. Oh, that was that was such a painful pain. I it, it took me a lot of a lot of tries for that. That and uh, the Hell House on hard. I, I do want to talk about the Hell House later on hard. Okay, <laughs> I want to talk about that one later. Yes, yeah, so we can. 
that one pissed me off. But um, <laughs> oh god. I, I honestly I I couldn't tell you how I beat it. I just remember like when Ifrit came out, I was like, seriously, I gotta do it, Bahamut and Ifrit at the same time. They don't want me to beat this. Like I don't even remember uh, how I beat it, but like I must have had like fire elementals on, and like I. Uh, I can't. I I do not remember. I oh well. I think the biggest thing is definitely staggering him, uh, Bahamut before he gets to a mega, mega flare. Yeah. So that that's like the 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 number one strategy. So I'm sure after I finally got that, I was like, all right, this is no problem. Before oh. we we tr- before we talk about the the hardest challenges, I'm going to keep moving on through the initial playthrough, and we'll get to that. Oh, trust me, there'll be plenty of bitching right. later. The, the, it's good bitching. So in terms of the gameplay, I think we both agree. It's fun, it's fast, it's fluid, it's a good time. Uh, not perfect. Oh, yeah. It's not perfect. Uh, the, the materia, the materia uh, junctioning system, it, it's it's same, it's right back there, and it works really, really well. I don't like the fact there's only one Amplify materia, by the way. Oh, yeah, that does hurt. That does hurt. But is it called Amplify? It's called, because it's not called All, it's called Amplify. Amplify. I feel like it's called something different. But Maybe it might be, but it's not it called sounds all. right. <laughs> actually, yeah, let's talk about materia for a second. I actually, yeah, I, I like the materia system. I think there's the the purple materia is almost completely useless except for HP and MP up and magic up. But like some of those uh, uh, like counterattacks and item boosting, especially when it comes to hard mode. Um, yeah, useless. Completely useless. Yeah, but for the initial normal playthrough it's it's pretty cool you can do some cool things with it i i actually i felt like materia had less of enough <laughs> i can't think of the words it didn't have an appeal it had less of an appeal than it did in the original game obviously because there's much more materia and much many different more many more combinations in the first game obviously but like i didn't feel like it had a huge impact like uh, the old game did well i mean the old game you could essentially customize your party with the materia because it affected your stats so and and to a lesser extent it does too certain materia does improve your stats like the revive materia makes your stats a lot better Uh, i think like the uh i think it's protect materia i don't know what it is like mana i don't know but it's the one that makes up protect and shell and mana wall that can raise your stats but not all of them raise your stats and that, I think that's a real improvement here. I understand that uh, it, it may not be viewed as an improvement for materia, but in terms of the characters themselves, as you said, they're different. And the materia system doesn't make all the characters the same. They just like they're not just a blank slate with materia involved. All the characters play differently. They all have their own strengths, their own weaknesses. And what a materia yeah. you have equipped on those characters doesn't define that character as so much as their play style. And that's probably why there's less of an appeal. By the way, I think it's magnify. You said magnify, but I think it's magnify. They're, they're synonyms. I'm right there. <laughs> I was just like, something doesn't sound right. And like, I'm like freaking out. Like I'm stuck on that. So anywho, yeah, it does suck that there was only one magnify because, you know, you want to cast all on everything. So, yeah. uh, so that was a little annoying, but, you know, it forced it. I, I did come to the conclusion. I was like, if I had magnify on everyone, it would be just broken. Because I, I would, I'd, it'd be, the game would be much easier. It would be. So, but I mean, yeah. it, it, like putting magnify on, now that I know it, haha, um, putting magnify <laughs> on offensive spells became almost u- like completely useless. 
meaningless, uh, obsolete. Because when you have Magnify, there's only two things I could think about doing with it is one, putting a protector or, or barrier on everybody. Yeah. Or two, healing everybody. Like, I'm yeah. not going to attack everyone. I'm not going to use it to attack everything with a spell. Just didn't make sense. Well, I used I used Mana Ward for Magnify, definitely. And then but I didn't use it for Cure much because I always had Prayer, even though it took two ATB. Like it was, you know, I, I probably had like ATB Materia uh, mm-hmm. set up. So I like getting two is probably no big deal. Um, you know, I also had Aerith to use Limit. So I, I didn't use it for Cure much. But like I, 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 I did use magnify for offensive magic like lightning in like one of the shinra simulators because you know maybe there are multiple big uh enemies that all were weak to lightning so well that also makes sense if you're in the shinra simulators because you're going in for a lot of them as a single character yeah that's true so having all equipped on an offensive spell makes sense but that's also the lower level ones Gotcha. Yeah, there's not too many instances where you're fighting like multiple uh, enemies. So yeah, you're right in the sense that maybe Magnify wasn't utilized as much for for uh, offensive magic. Oh, I mean, you could utilize it. I mean, it all comes down to however you play the game. It just for me, it didn't yeah. seem like a smart decision to do so. Yeah, yeah, understood. Another cool thing in this game is uh, the the weapon upgrades, which I thought were interesting. I thought that yeah. added some diversity to the game. Yeah, I mean, there's only you're gonna you're only gonna have so many weapons because it's the first disc, you know, just Midgar. So uh. it did, yeah. Well, <laughs> it it well, I understand what you're saying. But um, and, and, I, and we can talk more about that later because I have some gripes about that, and this is gonna be later. Like, where do they go from here? But yeah, go ahead. Like, I did like the weapon upgrade system. Um, I personally didn't like going in and doing it all myself. I didn't care about all that. Just like give me the upgrades. Like I put it on automatic, balanced. Mm-hmm. Just give me the upgrades and I'll I'll see that I have an extra materia uh, slot, you know, later like all right, I'll just, you know, throw an extra materia in there. So, the, did you spend time with actually going in and seeing what all the upgrades were? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Absolutely. And that's especially once I got into hard mode cuz I was I'd swap between weapons depending on what the Depending on what the abilities of some of the weapons were. And it actually saved my ass in the Bahamut fight. Gotcha. gotcha. Having the right weapon loadout. Like, I'm such a grinder that, like, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm going to grind it to 100% anyway. Right. Like, just, yeah, just just do it. Just do it for me, please. So, (laughs) save me some time. Well, for Aerith Aerith and Tifa, it was uh, particularly important for me. Because for Tifa, speed is king with Tifa. You need you want you have your speed high so her ATB charges quickly. That's yeah, absolutely. that's that that's how I played as Tifa is you know spam the ATB and get the ATB up. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, for Aerith, it's the MP limit uh, MP limitations because some of their weapons have cuts so many of cuts different cu- types of magic in half. And yeah. with Aerith being your magic user, you want a weapon that cuts your cuts down your mp usage or in some cases some of the weapons that that you can auto generate your mp at a quicker rate so those are the kind of things i would look for when i was upgrading that's why i manually did it gotcha gotcha it's probably and for me i didn't even know it about any of those things you know <laughs> i just you know i in the middle of the battle I was like oh yeah you're low on mp uh here you you use mp now like <laughs> you know i just kind of i i i tend to just Deal with the cards that I'm given. That's the kind of way that I play. <laughs> I mean, that's that is definitely a way to play because yeah. you know you get to the end game and at that point there's 
I didn't really think there was much of a difference between the weapons at the end game of hard. And in normal mode, they were it was more subtle, but you could definitely exploit the system a lot better just because there was more of a difference between the weapons in normal uh, at that point. But as you collect all the books that provide further upgrades for your weapons at the end of the game, they're they're all essentially the same with slight variations between them that you only can really notice if you're playing. And I didn't find it like final boss. It really made too much of a benefit or detriment depending on what I had equipped. Yeah. It's more of my yeah. materia management at that point. Definitely. What do you think about the soundtrack? Uh, I <laughs> I appreciate the soundtrack. I don't wow. dislike the soundtrack. I don't dislike the soundtrack. I okay. appreciate the soundtrack. But you know, I like I've always said, I love music in video games. But uh, remakes, like it was obviously it wasn't just a uh, what do you call it orchestral remake. It was literally they remade the entire song and you know added in parts and i appreciate all of that but the way the reason i say that is because i love the original track so much that it's hard for me to say i love these tracks too i do like them i like the tracks but like if you were gonna put me you're gonna put in front of me you listen to the remake soundtrack or listen to the original i'm always gonna listen to the original it's, it's kind of like the reason I don't like it as much is because it's not the original. Unfortunately, I'm a part of that. But okay. I, I, I do like the tracks. And, it, and I will say, like, specifically, and I hate this, um, Wall Market is always stuck in my head. <laughs> um, and it, because Wall Market, Chapter 8 goes on for way too long. <laughs> yeah. It's way too fucking long. Uh, and... and is that is that an original track? Do you know? From, from what I know, from what I remember, I don't. It's because I don't it's, recognize it. It's not the original Wall Market uh, track from the original Final Fantasy VII. It sounds like a completely new track, and it's just yeah, like you said, I'm always there. So like that song is always in my head, and I don't like it. <laughs> well, especially, and I, just going back to side quests with you, like go, going to platinum, like when yeah. you're trying to platinum the game, you have to play the chapter eight three or four times <laughs> yeah, yeah and chapter eight is a long fucking chapter oh uh, that's what it was that's what it was did the dress the dress achievement like yeah that's why that song is the last song that's stuck in uh. my head um you did just you just made me remember like some of the battle themes i do think those are amazing the remakes of the battle themes yes absolutely love them so i would i would go back and listen to those but uh, most of the other ones, it just reminds me of the originals. So I was like, I just want to listen to the originals. No, I can understand that. And I'm not going to be as so bold to say it's better than the original uh, comp, you know, original soundtrack. But one of the things I, I even said in the Final Fantasy VII episode proper is that it has some of the best composition, in my opinion, in the entire Final Fantasy series. It's just that the sounds and instruments that Uematsu used in uh, the original PlayStation release just weren't as high quality as they could have been. I think he, even Uematsu said that, that yeah. he, he kind of regrets the fact that he didn't use better sound quality in the original game. So what I found with Final Fantasy VII, like you say you appreciate it, I love this I love this soundtrack. I think it's really good. I do think they dip into the well a little too much in terms of 
uh, battle music. Like they, every single battle is a is a variation. There's no two battle musics are the same on yeah, any it's not, chapter. It's not uniform. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's it's, it's random. It's very strange. Like every single chapter will have different battle music. Every single chapter will have different boss music. And for the most part, it's all a variation on the same three or four songs, which is fine. I, I don't have a problem with that, but just it's it's kind of odd and nice at the same time. Uh, One Winged Angel, of course, is much I think it's much better just because, you know, you have the full capabilities of the of the modern soundtrack and the ability to record. So that's that's there, and I like it a lot more. Even though, of course, it's always as edgy and angsty as it'll always be. That's but but that's why we love it. That is why we love it. But overall, like I, I really did love the sound direction. I also love the fact that you know that music quest you do, and later in the game when you're uh, is that Mall Market? Of course, it's a Mall Market. I think it's a Mall Market. Yeah. And later in the game, uh, one of the songs you have to get in order to complete that quest, you get from an old man in the inn in Mall Market. And yes. that all, and you get the prelude from him, like the the remix of the prelude. Yes, yes. That's that's a model of Uematsu. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I don't I don't recall him looking that like old him. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, oh, that's an interesting thing. I need to look that up. Yeah, that's Uematsu, dude. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. But that that's one of the things that actually kind of chapped my ass is you get around collecting all these these music tracks and. I remember um, we have a we have a mutual friend Steve, and he was playing this. Uh, he was playing it on on a stream uh, before I got the game. Like as soon as it came out, he was playing this on the stream, and that's where I saw yeah. it. And like, oh, you can get music tracks for your games. And he's like, no, it's only for Final Fantasy VII. I'm like, that's bullshit. So I'm like, maybe 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 he's full of shit. Maybe that's not what's maybe that's not the case. And I get it, and I'm like, no, you can only get remade tracks from Final Fantasy VII. He was right. He, he usually is about these kind of things. And um, <laughs> I was like, like, first of all, why did I doubt Steve on this shit? And second of all, <laughs> second of all, it's like that's one of the things that Final Fantasy XV I think did right. And I'm not a big fan of Final Fantasy XV, but you could get and you could play these tracks whenever you're rolling around and doing whatever. The only time you could play these remade tracks for Final Fantasy VII is if you're next to a jukebox. Yeah, yeah. Why would you want to stand next to a jukebox? I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. So there's there's no real impetus to collect these fucking songs. And and it's not like the songs are all that great either. I didn't think they're all that great. They're like the remade there tracks. There we go. Now you're feeling me because that's the way <laughs> I was feeling about the tracks. I was like, uh, well, I feel Chocobo that more way. Theme, uh, like <laughs> oh, I did not like the Chocobo theme. The, Fuck the like Chocobo the, theme. That yeah, yeah, like hip hop. Like the remade hip hop day Chocobo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I wasn't I, so like the, the 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 tracks that are amazing, they're amazing, and then yeah. the other ones, you know, they just remade just for, you know, just for fun purposes, I guess. Uh, you know, I don't but I actually, them, so. I actually really did like the uh, uh, the tracks where I could tell that the Final Fantasy thirteen influences were. I don't know if you if you caught them. No, nah, I would. Oh, I, I read something about it, but like I don't. No, nah, I, I have no familiarization with thirteen. So, okay. So, um, one of the composers, and I wish I had their name uh, offhand, worked uh, the Final Fantasy 13 soundtrack, which, yeah. of course, is, is probably as divisive as the game itself, but it, it works really well with some of the Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy 7 remake tracks. So, you remember when um, you're running through the, essentially, the subway and Barrett's, you all get separated and you're trying to find Barrett, I think when you're trying to go through Sector 6 to get to that reactor... Yeah, yeah. 
So when you're running through there and like you're you're doing all the battles and you're trying to trying to find Barrett, there's like the sense of urgency. That's where I f- first noticed the Final Fantasy 13 influence. So it's definitely there. Uh, so if you're a fan of the Final Fantasy 13 soundtrack, you will definitely love the soundtrack for Final Fantasy 7 Remake. And I know that you don't care too much for it, Tiger, because the remakes are there. And I agree with that for the jukebox. The jukebox shit was just weird. I, yeah. I didn't like I did not like the Chocobo remake and I did not like the motorcycle remake. I thought those were those were shit. I don't, even, I don't even remember the motorcycle because I was just so like entranced. <laughs> Wait, it, does, does it also play when you're doing the bike minigame? Yes. Okay, that's just making sure. Uh, yeah, I, I barely even remember it. <laughs> so everything's so loud, so much is going on. Like I don't even recall. And just so you know how awesome the bike minigame is, Squaresoft provided an option that you can skip it once you complete it once. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. And but I never skipped it, but I do appreciate that. Well, that's how much I knew it was utter crap. I mean, I, I hated it. <laughs> ah, I see. They put that there because they know it's crap. Yeah, especially yeah, at yeah. like chapter 17 when you're fighting the uh, uh, the buster, the, the weapon buster, and you're like running it down. Like this battle's boring. It's just going on too long. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty long. It was pretty or the, the Jesse achievement, which is bullshit because there's no way to get it on your first playthrough unless you're really fucking good. And if you are, I don't want to hear it. But... Uh, <laughs> Which is you, you have to get you what in order to get it, you have to have seventy five percent of your health at the end of it remaining. Yeah, I didn't even know what it was, but like as far as like what determines when you get it, but uh-huh. uh, <laughs> after after playing the mini game so many times, uh, when I went back to do it, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not a very good remix, and and again, one more thing. There's so many things I, I'm sure we can talk about. Uh, the the guy that the soldier that chases you on the bike. And a lot of people have already said this. I forgot his name. Apparently, Square doesn't care either if I remember his name because he was only there for one chapter and they no, went nowhere with it. Even though he was trying to be, he was like trying to be cool yeah. with like Sephiroth. Out of nowhere, it really yeah. wasn't yeah necessary. Like the Order of the Thirteen Heartless or whatever it's called in Kingdom Hearts. He was just one of those guys. It's just like a cameo. That's <laughs> for there. Yeah, just another cool dude. It show how cool soldier people are. Just uh, one of Nomura's belt buckle, belt buckle fantasy guys. Bishojin, belt buckle fantasy man. He'll probably be back. We'll see. Roach. Roach was his name. Roach. Uh, Roach? That? Oh, Rosh. Rosh. Okay, I was like, can't be Roach. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, could have been more fleshed out. That was cool. What did you think of the the expansion of a lot of the areas, particularly the one where you're traveling with Aerith and you have to move the hand before you get to Wall Market? Which uh, stop, stop it, stop! <laughs> oh my god, like, you're trying to force me to give bad opinions. Like, <laughs> oh my god, like that, and I even told my girlfriend as like she's sitting next to me playing Dragon Quest Eleven, and I'm just like, I have to do this fucking arm shit over and over just for this shitty trophy like i fucking hate this and i got it to the point where i feel like you know if you gave me a speed run for chapter nine i could fucking do this shit no problem like i got it down i i got it so that i can move these robot arms in the quickest way possible because i don't want to spend a second longer than i have to doing this crap so uh (laughs) 
it was great in first first go through, but second through every like infinite, second through infinity, that's just like I hate it. I hate this stupid robot arm. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, right. The first time it wasn't bad. That should have been yeah. a separate chapter in and of itself. The yeah. the transition from 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 Aerith's house to Wall Market because that in itself was like one or two hours. Awful. It. It, if you, I could skip the mini bike, but like mini game for the bike. But can I please skip the robot arm? Oh my god! Yeah. And it didn't even control right. Like even the third third time I had to do that shit, I still couldn't. Yes. Like you push left and it goes right. <laughs> like what are you doing? This is I awful. It. I hated it. And yeah. I just, I just, I just want to like do the right quests or not do the quests in order to have Aerith wear the right dress, okay? Or Tifa or whoever, or, or, or Cloud. I don't care. Yeah. I'm just trying to get the dress trophy and I have to play yeah. with this fucking robot arm. Yeah. But other, I, I would say other than that, it's not really noticeable. I would say the the the, the ghost train was noticeable and being dragged out, but I, I like that. I, I like that area. The, the sewer area where you're trying to track down uh, Don Corneo uh, later in the game. With uh, yeah. the the dude who lost his wife, that Corneo like shit canned his wife. Yeah, um, yeah, Leslie. Yeah, Leslie. I did not like that. I didn't like like chasing that fucking rat. That went on way too long. That was uh, an unnecessary, but you know, <laughs> I gotta add more. So yeah, chasing the rat was really, really like a dumb part. Like, and and it was all for you know the the ring. I guess was it a ring? Yeah, or a necklace or something. It felt uh, like a side quest. It, yeah, it felt like yeah, a it was a forced side quest. So. And that like there's a lot of things in there that that could they could have taken out to make a much more tight and concise game and they could have made it more 30 hours. But I think their mindset was we we have to deliver this 40 50 hour game or else people are going to be pissed. So they added all this unnecessary bullshit in order to make it feel like a more complete game. Oh man, that sounds right. That sounds absolutely right. But it but going back like I don't I don't regret I don't regret I, I don't reg, I let me see how do I say this. I ultimately I enjoyed it all. Like if I had to put it all together and say like if they left it out, I probably wouldn't have been mad, but like playing it as it was, like it didn't it didn't <sighs> Oh no no no, I'm not saying yeah. it's an indictment of the overall product. What I'm saying yeah. is it could have been better. Yes if, if, yes, if, yes. if they had just made it maybe a 25, 30 hour game, I wouldn't ha- have had a problem with it. Gotcha. Especially going on to our next topic, which is uh, our in our outline, which is earning the platinum because both of us well, got the platinum mode. Before we get there. OK, I, it's it's like I want to say that I enjoyed the battling. I enjoyed the battling so much. It, it actually, that's probably my favorite part. As I was playing through, I just wanted to get to battles. So even though story-wise it was dumb for me to chase the rat, I liked the fact that I was doing more battles. And that's why I was okay with it. I guess that's what I'm saying. Right. Especially in hard mode because then you get to the the, the nitty-gritty of the mechanics and you really have to know how to exploit enemies' weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. So now we're talking about why I brought up hard mode is because in order to get the platinum trophy, you have to go through hard mode. And of course, hard mode is just that, at least on the initial the initial impression for me was you get right into hard mode. You start with chapter one on hard mode. You're probably not chapter 50. And holy shit, it lets you know it's fucking hard mode because. <laughs> wow. Um, that scorpion boss was a pain in the ass. 
Uh, and one of the things it doesn't tell you is you can't use items. Just all your items that you have just completely useless. It told me somewhere. Like, I knew it going in. <laughs> I, I, oh, yeah, well, you know, I, I think I you. read about it. Yeah, I think I read about it. But, I told like, you that. <laughs> I, I will say that, like, going into hard mode, I thought it was, like, completely bullshit to call something hard mode and just get rid of items, and that's the only difference. But I guess that wasn't the only difference, because it was actually harder. <laughs> the right. difficulty was ramped up. So... Uh, well, I mean, they, they added more hit points to enemies and they made them do more damage in addition to yes. getting rid of your items. Yes, yes. It's not but, like the uh, enemy AI was any smarter. True, true. You, you just it, everything would take longer and you have to make sure your strategy is uh, like like legit. So speaking of like, uh, what did you think of the lack of item usage? Like, how did that affect your play? And, you know, did, did you think that was bullshit? <laughs> Initially, I did because, yeah. like, I think one of the problems with hard mode is that it doesn't deviate from anything normal mode gives you. So you can do all these stupid side quests that, and not all of them are stupid, but there are some very stupid ones. And a lot of the rewards for these side quests are here's an item, and it's like I I can't do anything with this. <laughs> the the reward is beating him. That's it. It's just oh <laughs> Ultimately. great I got. I got some experience points and, (laughs) you know, sometimes you would get, sometimes you would get the book in order to improve your weapons. And that was always nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the real reward. Yeah. Yeah. It's after like defeating the, the last side quest, which you could only get after defeating all the other side quests in your side quest chain, unless you're doing the Aerith side quest one in wherever that is. Is that sector seven? I don't know. I would say sector eight. Sector 7 that gets destroyed. 7th Heaven. So maybe it's Sector 8 that Aerith is in. I have been misleading everybody. I don't know the numbers. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. (laughs) Fucking numbers. I fucking hate numbers. But Aerith's little area uh, where the side quests are absolute hell. And I hated hated doing that because, again, that's the area that you have to do the side quest. Well, you have to do the side quest three times in every situation, essentially. Aerith was just the most annoying because it required the most running around. Yeah. Find the kids. (laughs) Yeah, no. Find the cats to find the kids. Like, oh, yeah, I definitely did not enjoy the side quests. But just when you when you know you can't use items, and I think that really took me back because I wasn't I wasn't going into it expecting that. So one of the yeah. things that really surprised me about hard mode is, or maybe most disappointing is not not even disappointing. I don't know what the right right word is. You go and fight the, the scorpion boss. And I, when I completed the game on normal mode, I was like level 38. And you can't play hard mode unless you beat the game. The good thing about any mode once you beat the game is you can replay any chapter you want to, however you want to, whenever you want to. Love that. Which is amazing. It's not Loved it. You don't have to play the entire game in sequential order. If you want to play the game on hard mode, you just pick your chapters you want to do and you can just fight those and do that, which is great. But if you start the game over on chapter one... You're at level, like, I was at level 38. I didn't really use the prayer materia that much or chakra or anything like that because I didn't. Because I I used items. So here's this scorpion fuck. And, like, not even all my magic materia is upgraded all the way. So I I really went into it feeling like I was underprepared. The good thing is, is once you beat the game, you get, like, three times the experience and, like, two times the AP or whatever that thing is. So you level up very quickly. Yeah making you much more apt to fight the challenges in front of you. But for a while, for like for like the first three chapters in hard mode, I was getting my ass kicked. 
and <laughs> it it's it it was it was rough. It was a real hard mode, especially with not being able to use the items and the benches not replenishing your MP, which drove that was the worst part. Is I can live without your items as long as you give me the MP, and they're like, we're not giving your MP either. I'm like you motherfuckers. Yeah, like. I, I want to say that it it didn't feel the same for me, but I think that catered to my playstyle because my playstyle is don't use magic very much, attack attack attack, defend defend, you know cure when you need to, uh, and since I grinded so much probably in normal mode that I was probably at a high enough level when I finally got to hard mode that it wasn't too bad for me. Uh, at least like for the first few chapters, I was just like, this isn't so bad. This isn't so bad. So I think my experience was a little bit different than, <laughs> than yours. Oh, I was I was getting rocked. Like <laughs> it was it was rough. You know, that that one of those early quests in Sector 7, now that I have the number right, is you have to go fight that fucking dog with Tifa. In, in yeah. Like, yeah. That, and that, it's like, that little fucker's annoying. <laughs> yeah. And it it's weak to difficult. Blizzard. And it's weak to Blizzard. Uh-huh. And of course, like, Blizzard isn't one of those <laughs> spells that, that actually hits the enemy. It, like, you shoot yeah. it at it, and then and it then moves it away, and yeah, yeah, nothing happens to it. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I think I died, like, three times. You gotta, like, or time it once perfectly. Or, or, like, try oh, to, like, rough. keep them in one spot when you cast it with another character. Yeah, yeah, Blizzard. And Arrow is the same way, too, so. Uh, right. But it's not that you don't have as many enemies weak to air, whereas Blizzard has a lot more enemies that are weak to it, especially the one at the ghost, the uh, the, the the ghost train. Yeah, that keeps on yeah. running around in circles and is. Yeah, weak to it Blizzard. was air. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> but that's that's where like hard mode, like I think hard mode for me was only really difficult in the first four chapters. And then once it once I caught up and once that experience part really caught up to everything, it kind of became more balanced and, and less annoying. And I realized I really have to lean into the mechanics. I really have to lean into the stagger system. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I got from it. Like it forces you to strategize a lot more. And definitely you have to learn to stagger and use that to your advantage. Through the fact that I was learning that mechanic uh, more and more, it made me feel like, well, I guess I don't need items at all. What do I need items for? So like I kind of... I felt like it would have made it too easy if I did have items. So I felt like that was okay, you know, after I felt that way. Oh, especially with the, uh, with the materia and how you level them up and how fast they level up. Because there's items that, there is materia that makes your items a lot more powerful. Yes, yes, that that you can't use. <laughs> yeah, you can't use. So that becomes <laughs> pointless. But I, I didn't mind it. I, I, I think when it was all said and done, I enjoyed hard mode more than I did normal mode. Because there, there was more of a challenge. It, it challenged the way I thought about how I was going to approach bosses. It challenged the way how I was going to strategize. It, is, it challenged the way I had to set up my materia and, you know, my, my battle format and loadout and how I was going to attack, you know, use Tifa or Cloud or Barrett. And that's just something I don't think I was really asked to do too much in normal mode. Hard mode, I, I, I definitely appreciated. And that was, that was kind of the way I, will remember Final Fantasy VII in terms of quality because it was a good game with normal mode. In hard mode, it becomes a very good game, if not great game. And yeah, felt more rewarding, definitely. Far, far more rewarding. Yeah. So talking about rewarding, let's talk about, let's go back to these these bosses that we were alluding to earlier that were really, <laughs> that, that chapped our asses, so to speak. So you brought up Hell House, 
and I hated Hell House. Let's talk about Hell House, Tiger. So go ahead, tell us about, talk to us about Hell House. The best part about Hell House is listening to the commentary of the guy, like, <laughs> like, like, re- like saying his commentary as you uh, like heal with Aerith, or like <laughs> as you cast Bahamut or Ifrit, and it, oh, like listening to that guy, like I, I never got tired of listening to that guy that guy was like the best part of doing the hell house but the actual hell house height uh, fight itself it really took a hell of a lot of tries on hard mode to yes. destroy this crap and the as many times as i heard andrea said no not yet uh is oh my <laughs> I, god i hear i <laughs> I hear it in my dreams because that, that's like the mid cut scene before he gets like more power the the house gets more powerful. But um once I will say that it did take a lot of tries, but once I finally understood the strategy of how you beat this house, it was much, much better. Figuring out the strategy of beating it is what like finally one hundred percent understanding it is what led to it being a much easier fight. So I that, agree. that's how I felt about it. But by, by the way, if you if you put on the Japanese voiceover, it sounds like uh it sounds like, you know, maybe for me it sounds like, you know, when you're watching Spanish football yeah. or Mexican football. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot of character a lot of uh, uh characters at once. Yeah, cuz the announcer you just never stops. He's, he's, He's speaking in Japanese, and I, I, I pick up a little bit of it, and then all of a sudden yeah. he's speaking Japanese and goes, IN THE HOUSE! I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? That's, uh, I need to go back and listen to that, because that's... <laughs> I'm, like, like, Googling, like, all the dialogue, because I, like, I, I love the dialogue <laughs> of the commentary, uh, but I, I, I was unable to find anything, but... Uh, I think there's this when you cast Bahamut, he says like, "Has the King of Dragons graced us, you know, with his holy presence?" And I just, I'm like cracking up. Oh, it's like, so great! Yeah, oh. yeah, like they did a great. The voice actor had fun with that, and, and he did a great job with with the commentary. It was oh, the voice acting in general is just fantastic. I thought it was all good. Yeah, in gen- yeah, in general, definitely great. One of the one of the better ones I've heard. We've definitely come a long way since the '90s and and working designs. <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. It's, it's it's gotten a lot better. Mega Man X Four rings a bell right now. What are we fighting for? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't know why they got brought up, but yeah, Hell House. I, I had the same problem until I realized you can raise their stagger meter with a basic fire spell just as much as you can with fire agat. Exactly, and like that doesn't happen in any RPG. Like what? So like oh. This is why my MP gets drained and I don't have any more. I'm using Fire Raga, but oh, I can just use normal fire? Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> so. and yeah, it's going to do just as much damage. The thing that, that was hard about that was, hey, I'm going to open up these doors and throw Tomberries at you while I continue to pummel you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, uh, like, I think I just, I, the strategy with that is I use Triple Slash, and they pretty much like died as, as long as I hit them. Uh with triple slash a lot. No, I did the same thing. I, I took the same strategy. It was just for a while. Sometimes it wouldn't always work, and there'd be one that was left, and I wouldn't realize it was there. Ugh. I'd die. And yeah. I'm like, oh, now I have to start the shit over again. Great, thanks, thanks. Is it not? Go. Is it not that the the tonberries are you know much harder in hard mode, <laughs> or much harder later in the game than earlier in the game? Did you feel that way? No, I thought the tonberries were were simple in in hard mode, except. 
of course, the boss fight you fight in uh, Aerith's region when you go back and you fight those thugs that have uh, the Tomberry that they bring yeah. out for you to fight. That was yes. kind of a pain in the ass. That was the hard one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he was much, he was much, much harder. And it was just more of a game of keep away. The one in the Hell House isn't too hard as long as, as long as you just wipe him out quickly. But yeah, yeah. That and uh, Bahamut with uh, Ifrit as a special guest. Okay. Uh, that, I be- that was the hardest <laughs> one, in my opinion. Oh, Pride and Joy is a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like after Bahamut and Ifrit, it's like Pride and Joy was the last one. I was like, okay, this is going to be super awful. No. <laughs> First try. <laughs> lightning, like, lightning wrecks him. Yeah. So and it's, like, it's, I think it's kind of those things. After fighting Bahamut, you don't want another try with Pride and Joy. Like, you're going to be Pride and Joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But for Bahamut, for me, uh, going back to the weapon upgrades... So there's that ability for the weapons is called like reprieve. And when you get reprieve, it automatically revives your character if they die and they, they revive with one hit point. Mm. That, so that's that's how I beat Bahamut is mm. Bahamut did Mega Flare and it killed Tifa. And I think I had I don't know if it was Cloud or Aerith, but Barrett was still alive and he had one hit point left. And I was able to get a uh, revive off. And then Barrett died, and I was able to revive the other two characters. <laughs> it was Aerith. It was Aerith. So they were supposed to die. They didn't die. And yeah. I got revive off on everybody. And then Aerith cast uh, not her not her first limit break, but her second limit break that made physical attacks null. Yes. And then I just rushed in with to Bahamut with, with Tifa. And she had a materia that uh, absorbed all fire damage. So it, when Ifrit attacked her, she would get she would replenish her HP. So I just went into Bahamut and all physical attacks from Bahamut did no damage because of Aerith's limit break. And that's yeah. how I that's how I beat him. Nice. Nice. It was complete yeah. luck. It wasn't nice because there's no strategy. <laughs> it was complete luck. I'm oh, like, <laughs> my God. Yeah. And that's completely different from mine because I had I actually like got a strategy down where I could stagger Bahamut. Once that happened, it was much easier to take out Ifrit because Ifrit really isn't that bad as far as like health-wise. You just needed to chill on Bahamut a little bit so that you can take everything out on Ifrit. And that that was my strategy there. But I, I really don't want to go back and see if it works again. <laughs> so, like, right. yeah, one time I beat him. I think I'm good. I don't feel like doing that ever again because it took a lot of tries. Definitely. Okay. Oh. So, again, earning the platinum. I'm happy I did it. I'm very happy I went back and did everything. Not so much the dresses. The dresses can 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 go screw themselves. Yeah, same. Feel the same. I think we're going to move on to the most controversial part, which is the story. I know there's been a lot of spoilers already in this conversation, but again, this is specific plot things. So once again, we are talking spoilers, if you haven't already noticed. So we are going to move into the plot and and more and more the controversial things and the differences between this 
and uh, the original Final Fantasy VII. I, I guess to kick this off, let's just let's you know not beat around the bush or bury the lead. What did you think of the fates or the whispers or whatever the hell they were? At first, I was like, "The hell is this? This isn't an original game. The fuck are these?" <laughs> and it was like really pissing me off because I was like, "Obviously, they're gonna get to like where this is leading. Like, they're gonna get to why these whispers exist." And just to summarize. I love them. Absolutely love the okay. idea uh, of why they were even put in the game. It, I don't know how, like it, it made the game. I love, I love when there's double meanings uh, in games. And I was like, holy shit, this is actually a remake. And they, they put in these whispers <laughs> so that they could, so that you could create this, I can't remember. I can't think of the vocabulary right now. But like, you know, at the end, you fight this, you know, big whisper that like just like represents all of the whispers. A know, giant heartless. Yes. Yeah. Once you destroy that, that pretty much means destiny doesn't exist anymore. Right. Right. So now the game is called Final Fantasy VII Remake because that's what they're doing. They're remaking. They are the remaking game. Yes. And when I finally realized that right before we were going into like the portal, I was like, oh my fucking God, this is a real fucking remake. Mm-hmm. And my, my girlfriend is just like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and I, I just, I like, I loved it. I, that was the point where the game was a 9.5 for me. Because, wow. yeah, like, like through the going through the side quest and crap, I was like, this is a five. Like, like it started as a nine, went to a five. And then went back up, shot back up, like because I love the entire idea of remaking the entire game and not following, you know, exactly what happened. And and it kind of makes me sad for all the people that are waiting for the full game to come out, and like I can't tell them, it sucks. <laughs> so like the only thing I can tell them is, hey, you have to play this. Like stop waiting. You're gonna regret it. That's that's kind of what yeah. I've been saying on my Twitter, and I can't say anything else, and it sucks. But that is that is what made me love the game. Uh, and I would agree with you. Like, if you're on the fence about playing this game, you just 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 play it. Well, if you're this far, then you know it's too late. Yeah, you've already <laughs> the, the feeling that I felt. <laughs> you're not going to feel that if you did not play this game and you're listening to this. Unfortunately, right. So. But you're also not going to feel that unless you played the first game. That's true too. So, and that 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 gets into your next question of like, who is this game for? But I'll I'll get to that as soon as I I kind of explain my my thought on the fates. Yeah, please. So originally, I my question was more of what are the fates supposed to represent? And th- there's a lot of things that that kind of floated through my mind. So the first thing I thought of when I first heard of these these fates or whispers, like these manifests of destiny, these controllers of destiny is it was the current production team kind of rebelling against uh, uh, the idea of the plot of Sakaguchi. Like, they didn't like Sakaguchi's plot from Final Fantasy VII. They maybe thought they could do it better. It was kind of like, we we are replacing the the old guard. We are the new guard. And I'm not is sure if that's true. Is background that you heard of? 
No, this is just me hypothesizing. This oh, okay. is just me okay. thinking thinking some things because yeah. uh, you know Sakaguchi was ca- was kind of unceremoniously removed from SquareSoft uh, Square Enix just because mostly the failures he did with uh, the Final Fantasy VII, the Spirits Within, and how much money he lost for them, and just how his ego kind of took over in the early two thousands. Yeah, and he was he was kind of phased out and replaced with Nomura, and this is a Nomura run game, so maybe this is Nomura. In my mind was like one of my theories is this is Nomura saying. This is how this is me saying that Sakaguchi did this game and this is me leading up to how I would have done this game. But I got to find a, a plot device in order to explain it. Because <laughs> uh, I, I think I, I, I don't know no more personally, uh, personally, obviously. But, you know, uh, I, I kind of have this feeling Amura is very, very so he's a perfectionist. So he probably takes himself very seriously. He's probably a little bit of a. He's a little egotistical. I'm just making assumptions, of course. I have no idea. I haven't met. Again, I don't know the guy. But that's that was kind of going through my head. The second one was it was directed at the fans. You know, the fans that the fans were the whispers, the fans were the fates. And this was the expectations that were put upon the developers when they're <laughs> making the game. There we go. And like, this is how things are have to be. This is how things need to be. And the developers were like, this is how like these this is the pressure we feel from you guys on how we need to make this game and maybe we don't want to but we have to because this is how we do things and then at the very last time that i was playing this game like um on the hard mode when i was going through and i don't know what chapter is i think it's 13 or 14 when they're the they're dropping the plate and you're going through the the ghost train i was like jesse's going to die again and I can't do anything about it and it sucks. It's like, I really wish I could do something about it. And I was like, maybe the developers thought the same way. And maybe that's what overcoming the fates and overcoming the whispers. And that's what that's supposed to represent. I love that. I love, I love that. I, I, I applaud this. (laughs) Because that, that sounds great. It's a, oh, I like I like that interpretation very much. The first one, not so much, but, <laughs> but definitely <laughs> I like the whispers representing the fans and the pressures. I just want to say that I appreciate that. Um, okay. Yeah. I just <laughs> I, I really I really I seriously did like that. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. <laughs> I just really like it. What I do want to say is, as far as the whispers, the whispers. Nah, man, I don't know what to say. You just got me. You got me there. <laughs> that was not what I expected to hear. And I liked it. Uh, I, there's a lot of different ways to approach yeah. it, but I'm, I'm going to settle the last one because I think the last one is just more wholesome. Is yeah. there these characters are near and dear to a lot of people and especially Aerith and the fact that, you know, in later installments, Aerith is going to die. So how are they going to approach that? And is it because, you know, now that that fate has been removed, can you save Aerith or is it like a Doctor Who thing where certain things are just set in time and it has to happen in order for the characters to complete their objective? That is, yes, that is what was on my mind when the game was completed. And I was like, does that mean everyone can live now or does that mean someone else needs to be the sacrifice now? You know, does it have to specifically be Aerith? It leaves everything open, and that that is what I truly appreciate. And I think it makes it much more interesting, too, that 
I have something new to look forward to. And that if you enjoy the original Final Fantasy VII story, then you go play that game. But now, like, it's completely open. And I'm I'm just very much, much more than I would have been looking forward to what the next chapter will bring. Now, one thing I didn't like before we go into who exactly is this for is the whole entire retconning of Zack's story. Go on. And, and it's kind of it kind of creates a Chrono Cross situation. So if you're paying attention, I'm sure a lot of you already have noticed this. Stamp the dog is like a beagle in the normal playthrough. But when you see Zack fighting against all the Shinra, like the end of Crisis Core, that scenario, you see this flyer come up and it's stamp and stamp is a terrier. Yeah, it's a sign of change. Everything's changed. But is it an alternate dimension? Have they have they like uh like a uh, 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 what's it called? I think it's called Zelda? chord theory. No, it's <laughs> where, where you have different dimensions that uh, they're parallel dimensions. Uh, string theory that you get in um, oh. like astrophysics that you kind of see in Chrono Cross, where you have two dimensions that are on a parallel to each other that they're only differentiate between each other because a certain event changed everything. So what do you see with Zach? He may have died in the situation where st- the stamp the dog was a terrier, but now stamp as a beagle. So you see that Zach survived the fight at the end of the game that Zach is still alive in yeah. their yeah. in their in their timeline, in their uh, timeline of destiny and how they've challenged the face that if it has it changed that. But how has it changed Zach living or dying unless they're going to get into weird dimensional shit? Well, one thing that I want to say regarding Zach still being alive is okay well if that happened then how did cloud get his sword right and yeah so and his personality and everything yeah so they're gonna have to you know redo all that and so that that still doesn't remove the fact that zach is still alive zach still could be dead i think it's i I think it's very fan servicey though i I think that I don't know why they did that unless they have a clear intention, and they might. I, I'm pretty sure they do, or else why would they do that? But well, <sighs> I I don't I don't know about your whole string theory and everything, but like I, I just <laughs> stick with the I just stick with the whole you know now that they destroyed this representation of the whispers and destiny is no longer set a set course. Now it can go any way it wants to. The the characters have free will. Yes, yes. To, well, you know, to <laughs> they have free will as so insofar as the plot will allow it. Yes. Uh and, you know, like Biggs Biggs is still alive and uh does does uh Wedge Marlene we don't know. Have, yeah, Wedge we don't know. Mar does Marlene have some special power like Aerith? And by the way, um I told you I would I would tell you this once you beat the game. Yeah, uh, okay. Jesse might be alive. Yeah, you were saying that and like I don't I don't see why not. Sure. She sure could be alive. So if you want the hints, yes, oh, we, I do, we like, do see something. I don't something. see any hint of that. Like, what did you see? So at the end, when you see Biggs yeah. and he's in the bed, when it pans out, if you look at the dresser drawer, Jesse's gloves are on it. I assumed that was his gloves and his band, like bandana thingy. Head look at look at the design of the gloves. Gotcha. Gotcha. Just go back. Go back and take a look. It's Jesse's gloves. So they both have different types of gloves. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, there so we Jesse go. may be alive. <laughs> there Jesse we go. Jesse may be alive. But and then again, like because of the fact that this happened, like I feel like anything can change now. Everything's up in the air. 
moving on to as we have alluded to, we, we've delayed significantly. Who is this game exactly for in terms of plot? So the reason I ask this is because there is so much in this game that harkens back to the original Final Fantasy VII that you will only understand if you have played the original Final Fantasy VII. Like, oh, why, yeah. is, why is Sephiroth the threat? A lot of these flashbacks that Cloud has uh, when he's dreaming, like the ones that he gets later on about him and Niflheim, were much later in the game in Final Fantasy VII. It follows a lot of the same beats exactly. Like, if you play the original Final Fantasy VII, there's a lot of plot devices and a lot of conversations. You're like, I remember that. Like, that, yes. Like, wow, that's amazing attention to detail. But if you're a first-time player, a lot of these things are going to go over your head. Now, going back to who's exactly this for... With the fates and the destinies and changing everything, yes, you are going to tick off a lot of people who love the original plot of Final Fantasy VII. And, and, and so it's obvious that this isn't for people who have never played Final Fantasy VII ever or don't understand Final Fantasy VII. And them kind of twisting it and changing it up, it's hard for me to say this is for people that have played Final Fantasy VII before. So who is this game story for? I don't I don't particularly agree with that though. Like Okay. I, I no let me be more specific. It definitely is not for anyone that has not played Final Fantasy VII. Like I I would imagine being com- completely confused if I never played the original game, especially as many times as I have, too, cuz Right. If I didn't replay it recently, I still probably would be confused. I think it is a requirement to play the original Final Fantasy VII, unfortunately, in order to get the full experience of remake. I think that's it. I think that is all that needs to be done. Well, and then again, I haven't heard the other side, so I don't know people that are angry or like pissed off at the fact that they're going to change everything. I personally feel that you know that story is there and i don't necessarily at least up to this point now that i'm here i've waited for a remake for 20 plus years and and here it is finally the remake the truth of the matter is i'm not going to get that remake (laughs) but at the same time i am and it's like i appreciate that the game is being remade and i also appreciate the game is changing because (laughs) I probably would still enjoy it if they remade it exactly the same as it was, but I feel like I'm going to enjoy it much more being a retelling, uh, a a brand new story. Essentially Final Fantasy 16. What about 16? Oh, I say that would be like Final Fantasy 16. Eh, I'm saying, yeah. Final Fantasy 7 (laughs) 2. It's more like a Final Fantasy 7 Bravo. Got you. Oh, it's just like okay. it's not a yeah, sequel, yeah, yeah. but it's a deviation. Um, well, I guess in this sense, the next iteration would be. Uh, no, no, okay, you're right. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how what to compare it to, and actually, that's a good question. Is there anything, any game like this that has done something like this before? Uh, the closest one I would say would be like the Lunar remake that I oh, can okay. like right off the top of my head because they change a lot gotcha. of plot devices, but they're very subtle and not major. Like going back, to, remaking a as game, far as and I know, just changing the timeline. No. Like, like not, not, not changing the timeline, but like going veering off to a different timeline. Not no, because I, I don't really think they've they've remade a major game like this in, in this facet. Because normally when they remake games, yeah. 
they 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 do it beat by yeah, beat yeah. like the resident evil remakes everything was beat by beat are you know even even the re2 and re3 me- remakes yes, they, they yes. pretty much stick to the original concept and plot nothing's nothing's really changed they might add a little bit more exposition to fit in line with the rest of the series as they've progressed and you know retcon some things and so on and so forth but this is a complete and utter deviation and one of the one of the commentaries I've heard about this that I, I tend to agree with or criticisms is this better not be a cop out so they can say there. <laughs> I think this is bigger than that. Unfortunate. Like it's unfortunate that people feel that way. And I think it may come down to the point that Aerith, you know, does get saved. Uh-huh. And if, if so, then is the story that they're going to present in, you know, in favor of is that, you know, how much better is that going to be? So like I, I don't want to say, you know, uh, you know, Aerith better still die, you know? <laughs> well, I think, I think for the plot, I think for the overarching, you know, feeling like Sephiroth is in it to win it. I, he is the driving factor to change, change the whispers and yes. change destiny because of yeah, course he yeah. wants to change destiny because destiny results with him losing. So in that essence, if they want to win, Aerith that has if, to die. If, uh, you know, Cloud Avalanche, that group, if they want to win. Is that what you're saying? If the planet wants to, oh, if the, the planet, planet wants to yeah, survive. Yeah, but that's assuming that that's the only way. But again, this, this opens up another question: Is the advent is advent children in this timeline, <laughs> or is it the original timeline? Because the original timeline has Red Thirteen running with his children somehow, even though he's the last of his species, running with his children, uh, and there's there's no signs of humans or civilization in the original game. So is the original game self-contained to of itself and the expanded universe is within this new Final Fantasy VII remake? Because that I think that that lends yeah, itself to that. it. I don't know anything about Advent Children. <laughs> well, OK, but in either case, Aerith still dies. So I, I think like the, the, the thing between activating Aerith or er, er, not activating Aerith, but Aerith activating Holy, Holy activating and, and coming from the planet, yeah. preventing Meteor from landing. It's Aerith's sacrifice. Because she doesn't know how to make it work. So how do we know it wasn't Aerith dying and Aerith's sacrifice that makes yes. Holy work? So if you go down this line that now fate and destiny have, have been eradicated and now the characters can have their own free will and they know how Final Fantasy VII original ends. So they're probably going to do whatever they can to avoid it. I do think that that would be an emotional point where all the characters have to accept the fact that even though they have erased fate and they are free to make their own decisions in order to stop Meteor from destroying the Earth, Aerith has to activate Holy. Again, they also probably didn't see that the whole entire reason Meteor summoned is because Cloud goes batshit insane inside a pyramid, but <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. plot points. And <laughs> I guess, and I don't see it from the character standpoint, I see it from a creator standpoint. Like, they can change any right. of that. It doesn't have to stay that way. So like, <sighs> but it, but it removes, it removes so much from the game. If she doesn't die, it removes so much it, from the plot. If she, doesn't my point die. is it, I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't matter. Um, you, you're saying like the whole like retcon and straying away from what is, what already exists. And I feel like that's the point. This is straying away from what yeah. already exists. So that, that literally anything can happen. Yeah. So, and that's right. where I'm at. You're I'm right. Like excited because nothing has to make sense with everything that already exists. So I'm like, I'm in it. Let's do it. <laughs> show me, show me what what your Final Fantasy VII is. Creators that are currently making it, like, yeah. So here's the problem with creators <laughs> in Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two. 
How do you go from having everyone with the highest level materials to going back to basic spells? Like <laughs> I don't fire think that will happen personally. I I was asked this question on Twitter, and my assumption is that just like Final Fantasy fourteen, if you have an expansion, you're going to continue with what you already have, and just like they'll up it. But that's that's my assumption that might not actually happen. I think since that's something that they've already done, like in an online world, I don't see why they can't just do that. You had you had Cloud jumping in space, jumping from <laughs> rock to rock and, and knocking out trains like he did in Amvet Children. And now you're going to tell me he can't fight a fucking snake. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying, because like everything's going to be weak from the beginning. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. How are you supposed to fear the Midgard uh, Serpent, man? Yeah. You just true. beat Sephiroth. That's true. I mean... If they change, if they change destiny, doesn't Where that they mean go? everything's now way more powerful? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, they just, uh, yeah, it uh, could yeah. be, but so are they. <laughs> I mean, I. It's gonna be, it's gonna be hard trying to trying to spin that. I, I, I really do, because it's not like they limited you to what what you would normally have through your regular Midgard playthrough, because that was only mm-hmm. like what four mm-hmm. hours, right? You're not, you're not really, you might escape Midgar, you might get out of Midgar with your, with like, um, Bliz, uh, Blizzara and, uh, yeah. Fyra, or, you know, Ice 2 and Fire 2 back in the day. But you're not gonna get out of there with Fyraga. Well, you're not gonna get out there with Blizzaga. You're not gonna get there with, like, A-Rays. It's not gonna happen. Unless you just spend, like, you spend the amount of time in Midgar that it did for this game. I think that whatever they do is either gonna be, just par- on par with what they do with Final Fantasy 14, or it's going to be a completely s- a system that hasn't been done yet. Like, you know, I guess if I can think about it, like, what if they made a a fourth? What if they made a fourth spell? Have they ever done that? They they have cure four. Like, what if they just keep going? Like, all right, let's just keep going. <laughs> let's expand the materials even more. I don't know what cure four is. There is cure four though. I, I can't think of it. It's in Final Fantasy. Oh, like, gotcha. Kira, Kira, I'm just Kira saying, God. in general, though, like, Whatever. you know, they have options or they can just create brand new options. And I think that's kind of the whole point of, you know, getting rid of Destiny. Now they can really, not only story-wise, but maybe even gameplay-wise. Who knows? So here's what I could, here's what I think they can do is that it'd be really cheesy, but this is how you do it. Because they explained it how um, the guy who runs the simulator, I don't know if you remember nope. his name. Oh, simulator. Uh, Chadley. Chadley. So since Chadley is AI, all the make all the materia that you get within Midgar, uh, all the advancements that you get on your materia was generated by some AI force field within inside the city of Midgar. So when you leave, like the only things you you retain are materia that weren't exclusive to like Midgar. So you get like your Chocomog summon and uh, everything that you fought in the simulator in order to gain. Ah, uh, that's a good idea was generated in the simulator and all your experience that was generated on your material and all the spells you made were generate were generated and propped up by a simulator. Now the simulator is gone. Everything resets and they're just rocks and you're gaining. <laughs> a planet. Uh, yeah. Well, that'll, that'll help through the second part at least. <laughs> well, that would have to explain it like, Oh, now, now that uh, the simulator Midgar is gone. And now that you're outside this control draining of, of Mako, that yeah. now you're outside and you're actually like on actual ground and you're fighting on the planet. That the planet is now supplying your your uh, materia and it is slower to build up or whatever. But it has to reset in order to get the the power of Mako. I like it. 
I like it. So you keep your materia, but you know, it goes back to, you know, level one basically. Right. Except for the summons, because all the summons were created in a simulator. So you go have to actually go find the real summons out in the world. Oh boy. I'm with it. I think I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm with it's it. It's gonna it's curious how they're gonna do it because you can't go on Final Fantasy Remake Part Two with Bahamut. Like <laughs> let's let's be real. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. Like, will they let us keep everything and will they just completely reset it? And if they do reset it, like, they have to come up with an explanation. I don't know. I mean, they're going to have to. You can't You can't give everyone the most powerful spells right off the bat. I mean, the only thing they don't have is Ultima and Knights of the Round at this point, essentially. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, you're right. They're going to have to do something to kind of reset everything and put everything back at a baseline. And I, I mean, that's for them to figure out. And I, I think that will lead us into our final impressions. I think this is a very good game. I definitely think that you should buy it. I definitely think it's worth your time. But I also think that before you play this, you need to play the original Final Fantasy VII. That's exactly how I feel. Definitely. I wouldn't give it a 9.5. I'd probably more give it like an 8, 8.5. But I mean, a very solid 8. A very solid 8.5. I think thinking overall, I'd probably feel that way. But like I felt so strongly about the the ending that like like that just <laughs> and and I just I have this you know, like a lot of us we have this huge like appreciation for Final Fantasy 7 you know such an iconic game and a lot I remember a lot of people saying like the remake how can how can the remake live up to that like the the amazingness that Final Fantasy 7 was you know some people said that but mm. and <laughs> right <laughs> some people and are you trying uh, to take shots at me, Josh? No, no. I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to put you in this in this box that I've created. Uh, but I think this, they did very well. I think the creators, the people that worked on this game did awesome. And, you know, there are, it's not a perfect game at all. And, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say it was a 10, but like as far as how I felt after the game was complete, I felt like a 9.5. But like, if I think back overall, I think about the side quests. I think about the robot arm. I think about uh, you know, unnecessary chasing things. the fucking rat. Yeah, yeah, unnecessary things that didn't need to be in the game. Sure, I, I can, I, I can also agree with uh, why you felt like it was an eight. So, especially if you only play normal mode, I, I do think hard mode makes this game a lot better. Yes, I agree with that. And not to mention going through hard mode, I got to like see through the whole story again. And as I said in the beginning, how I didn't like Aerith's voice acting, I think her voice acting is perfect the way it is, because that is how they want Aerith to be like this naive girl in the beginning, but like all knowledgeable when you finally get to the end. I, I, I love Aerith. I love Aerith. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, and you can date all three characters, which is kind of cool. Oh, it's yeah. not really a date, but it is like yeah. a little romantic scene. I haven't seen Barrett's yet. Yeah, it's if you do if you do neither Tifa's or Aerith's side quests before yeah. that scene, if you do none of them, you get Barrett. Oh, okay. It's just based on the side quest. I see. Yes. Okay. So I, I think that's that's where it puts it. So I mean, I'm giving it I'm getting it an eight and a half. Josh gives it a sorry, Tiger gives it a nine and a half. So we'll put this game at a solid nine in the retro hangover guide and opinion poll, whatever that matters. We'll probably do it in the future if there's another one. But hey, it's there. It's a nine from us. Go play it. Play Final Fantasy VII, the original first. Play the original first, definitely. Play the Otherwise, original first. don't waste your time yet, in my opinion. You have to. It's it's. This is a. This is definitely a, a companion piece to the original game, and needs to be done. So uh, with that, let's start wrapping it up. Hey, Tiger, where can we find you on the intranets? Uh, where can we find you in general for whatever you want to disclose or put out there for everybody? Only one place to find me is Twitter at LPTiger, hey. L-P-T-Y-G-E-R, and that's all you're going to get from me. Sweet. All right. Once again, uh, thank you for joining us on uh, Retro Hangover Gaiden. Just uh, general shout outs here. You can find us on all over social media. Just type in Retro Hangover on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us there. You can find myself, uh, Chris. You can find me at Instagram primarily at, at Zodiac, which is X-O-D-Y-A-K. I'd love to engage with the fans on here. Just engage in general in conversation and video game diatribes, specifically retro video games. So you can check us out on our merch store where we have cool shirts and hats and weird shit like air fresheners. I don't know how that happened, but Shane did it. You can get an air freshener with a dragon wrapped around an eggplant, which is Corp the eggplant dragon. Badass. Yes, you can smell what an eggplant dragon smells like, and I don't know what that is, but you can. And if you want to figure out what that is, you can go to bit.ly slash RHP merch. You can also check us out on our Sunday streams, which is uh, pretty much every Sunday at 2100 Eastern Time or 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. If you can't find us there, you can find us on our YouTube. That's all I really have to put out. Uh, Tiger, any last parting words from you? Uh, Shane is going to hate you after this. That's fine. I think he already (laughs) does. Uh, when it comes to recording and how I can't manage the time. But I think we had a really good discussion today. And I I, think I, I enjoyed this any discussion thoroughly. And I'm I'm happy to finally uh, dump all of this Final Fantasy VII stuck in my head uh, that I can't talk about with anyone because people don't play the game. And I can't talk about it, you know, on Twitter because it's still spoilers. So uh, thank mm-hmm. you for that. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. I kind of wanted to do the same thing and put it out there. Uh, yeah. Just because of how often I've ragged on Final Fantasy VII over the past couple of years, especially the remake. And I think I had to give it its due and give it its respects. Uh, that's all we have for today. Uh, so until next time, play with your hard edge choices.